Og lige nu her på DR1 sidder Tine Goethe klar til at præsentere TV-avisen. Do you think the European Union has a future? I hope so, but people need to think very clear about what they want. So closing Schengen is not a good option, for example. What's happening now, it's it's terrible. Like The borders should be kept open and it's a matter of of having a real union. I think it definitely, there's a lot of challenges rising today, uh, but I, I actually believe that the European Union will will stay put. I think so, but not in the way we know it today. I think there'll be more of a disparity between the more influential countries and then the newer states that join you know, in the coming years. I like the free trade, um, the internal market and everything, so hopefully we does have a future. But with the way things are going, maybe not. The future of the European Union doesn't look too bright, it seems. It started off with rumors or wishes for a Grexit from the Eurozone. Then the Brits came along, discussing to leave the EU altogether and listening to the people around us, one might want to speculate if there is going to be a union at all 10 years from now. But not everybody wants a breakup. Europe's powerhouse, Germany, for example, has been trying hard to make it work. And we started to wonder why. Why doesn't Deutschland just pack its bags and money, wave goodbye to the EU and bang the door behind it? This is Planet Mundus. I'm Nihal Sharif. And I am Kim Schönrock. We started our episode in the streets of London. Then we packed our bags, recorders and questions and headed off to Germany to produce an episode on the move. Here we are in Gütersloh, at the residence of the Schönrock family in northwestern Germany. There is nowhere better than here, Kim, for you to explain... Why is your country so keen on keeping the EU together? I believe they might actually be all right outside, don't you think? Not really, to be honest, because when I think of it, and it's probably historic and it depends on the generation you grew up in, but I don't think we have a very nationalistic sense. Like, for example, you wouldn't find any national flags in Germany unless there's the Football World Cup, and I never had to think the national anthem. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I even know the lyrics of it. And um, I think it's perfectly fine to proudly say I am a European, but for some reason it's not okay to say the same as I'm proudly a German. But to make sure that it's not only me who thinks that, I spoke to my friend Franziska at Hamburg's train station about this. No, I totally agree with you. I think uh, compared, especially compared to other countries in Europe, we don't have a very strong uh, sense of national uh, of nationality, or we don't we don't feel very German. But, I mean, it's it's due to so many reasons. Like, um, for example, we are, we are strongly regionalized in Germany, right? So you, you can see it with the dialects, like, you know where I'm from, Bavaria. <laughs> and we, we speak our own dialect. We have our own traditions. We have our own party ruling. <laughs> Then, of course, it has to do, a, a big chunk has to do with our history, you know? Like, because other countries, they were never so shattered in the whole of what made them up 
um, identity-wise. And Germany has been only, I mean, now it has been 70 years, but, well, I guess it, it takes more time to build up a new identity, a new national identity, apparently. Do you think that Europe can be like a, a substitute for the lack of the, the own national identity? Um, well, I guess for many people, including for me actually, it works as a substitute. Because normally when I'm outside of Europe, I'd rather say I'm from Europe than I'm from Germany. And also just because I really support and I like the idea of these unions, especially young people now who grew up in this EU, um, it, it does create a, feel, a, a feeling of, of community, you say. And yeah, I'm, I'm a strong proponent of this. The problem is in 2015, I think we saw a strong rise of national identities again in Europe. So we, it, it's kind of a regress, I'd say. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a little bit of a backlash. And this is very unfortunate. And I hope we, we, can, work, we can work towards the opposite again. This is the EU anthem. Actually, it's Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. It was launched as the anthem in the 70s. You see what's happening here? Beethoven, a German. The European identity is not just a phenomenon on an individual level. It's also reflected in Germany's foreign policy. After the Second World War, Germany wanted very much to integrate more with Europe to further, uh, its, I guess you could call it a rehabilitation. This is Adam Cox, a lecturer at City University London and a former financial journalist for Reuters and Bloomberg. We interviewed him in the foyer of Bats Stock Exchange in London. You see this in German diplomatic behavior and political behavior. You've been seeing that basically through the decades. There is always an eye to Germany being part of Europe and their decisions being on a European basis as well as with national interests at stake. So Germany, probably more than most EU countries, has a lot at stake in terms of the question of the EU's success and its survival and its evolution. Germany might want to keep the EU, but... Does the EU have a future? I do think it has a future. I think that there's so many people have so much invested in it. But it's facing some really big challenges. I think one of the biggest ones is actually in Britain. If Britain were to ever pull out, while I doubt it's going to happen, that would weaken the institution quite a lot. You'd have suddenly the biggest financial market in all of Europe is outside of the EU. That's, that's not a good situation. But it's also pretty clear that, you know, it's taken on so many members and it's become so big and it's clear that they're going to have to evolve and streamline themselves more. And I don't really have a sense that that's changed the kind of bureaucraticness of the EU. Um, it does still come across to me as a, a very, very bureaucratic organization. All of that said, though, landmark legislation is taking place. It is getting things done. So I think it has a future, but it's also still going to have to keep evolving, and it does face some really serious challenges. Challenge number one is the economy. Debt levels across the European Union reached 92% of the bloc's GDP in 2014, the highest since the euro was introduced in 1999. One of the guidelines from the Treaty of Maastricht was that a country is not allowed to have more debt than 60% of its GDP. 
You should know that the Treaty of Maastricht was signed in the early 1990s and that this is the document that finally established the European Union like we know it today. Looking into the EU's economy at the moment, one might wonder if the members care at all about the 60% of GDP debt level limit. 16 out of the 28 member states have broken the rule. Countries like Greece or Italy and Portugal have public debt that is more than 100% of their GDP. And even Germany, the supposedly economic powerhouse and moral police, has a debt of 75% of its GDP. So they are not abiding by the rules either. They have a stunning 2 trillion euro mountain of debt. So we asked Adam Cox, would the European Union benefit if Germany left the bloc and took its debt with it? If Germany were to somehow leave for whatever reason, and I really, again, I, I don't see that as a realistic possibility, but if they were to, that would actually probably be disastrous for some of the more indebted countries because, you know, right now Germany's economy is one of the better performing ones and it's able to actually help finance some of the, for lack of a better term, resuscitation of the weaker members. Without Germany's stronger financial position, it's hard to see how some of the bailouts would have been able to be engineered. Yet, unlike Cox, there are voices rising against Germany's presence, at least within the Eurozone. One of them is economist Ashoka Modi. He's a former official at the International Monetary Fund who is responsible for some of the bailouts during the Euro crisis. Modi believes that Germany leaving the Eurozone would be a win-win situation. He wrote an article for Bloomberg six months ago arguing that a German return to the Deutsche Mark would cause the value of the euro to fall immediately. The weaker currency would then give other countries like Greece, Italy and Portugal a chance to reconcile their debt more easily and, furthermore, to grow. And for Germany, he argues, it wouldn't be as painful to leave the eurozone. Why? To put it simply, they would get their own strong currency back, which suits their economic strength, and they would become richer. But Modi actually sees the greatest gain for Germany leaving the Eurozone on a political level. Right now, Germany is seen as a bully that is trying to Germanize the others and is pushing EU member states to remain tied together. So, experts discuss the impact of Germany's action within the Eurozone and the entire European Union quite a bit. It seems like what Germany does affects the rest of the bloc. But how do people in the streets of London perceive Germany's role within the European Union? Currently it's right at the top and they're able to pull all the strings. And to be honest, I don't see that changing for a few years because a lot of geopolitics, especially within Europe where there are so many countries that are dependent on other economies to survive, basically. I think that Germany's been able to take advantage of that situation. It definitely is the powerhouse. It's bringing together the other countries. I think because of its stable economy, um, its decisive politics, I would say. so. It would affect the EU massively if they would go. Judging from the past, Germany has obviously been quite controversial in the EU. But as long as they kind of comply with EU regulations, I think they will remain important. The leaders of it, really? What they say goes for most of Europe. Important, decisive and maybe even bossy. So instead of wondering why is Germany so keen on keeping the EU together, our in-house comedian Jan Willems is actually wondering why anyone would want to have such a party pooper in it. 
fearlessness of planet money ja. leaders. Come here and do the cleaning of the dishes. It's your turn. Now. <sighs> Give me a second. I'm working here. Okay, dear listeners, I, I, I guess I have to hurry. My roommate Günther is going wild again. So let's be German and cut right through the politeness and small talk and get to the point. Why in God's name is everyone so keen on keeping Germany in the European Union? Or in other words, why would anyone want a nagging and moralizing German roommate in the shared house that is Europe? After all, the Germans have that special pain-in-the-ass way of ruining domestic peace. Just take the last years. Everyone in the shared house had a great time. Still, Germany's Minister of Finance and the EU's very own Grampusaurus Rex, Wolfgang Schäuble, could not do otherwise but constantly remind everyone to make economies and put aside money. Come on, Mr. Schäuble, we're trying to have a damn party over here. And everyone was having a blast before you came and reminded us that we have to put money in the community piggy bank. Only because you have obsessive-compulsive disorder and do your cleaning shift a week in advance, do not force us to do the same. And don't forget to keep the volume down after 20 o'clock. Some people in this house have to work, you know? Oh, for goodness sake. And then there is this one moment where Germany finally breaks out of its nagging roommate role and completely and utterly overstates its case. Who the hell exploits its right to invite guests over so shamelessly and brings a million Syrians to the party? That's just so uncool. I was looking forward to play video games and watch movies over the holidays. Now I have to share my entertainment system with a bunch of refugees? The Eritreans can't even tell the difference between 5.1 and 7.1 surround sound systems. Just because Germany wants to play Mother Teresa, I have to give up my old clothes to the refugees? Do the Syrians even know how long it took me to build up this impressive Cafe Hard Rock t-shirt collection? I was absolutely gonna wear them tomorrow. Oh fuck. And this all just so Mrs. Merkel can get her cover on the Time magazine as the person of the year. Well, Mrs. Chancellor, did you see who came in second on that list? That is right, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, Mr. Isis, the Daesh poster boy. I hope you like that company. Yeah, do the cleaning. Now. I'm tired of asking. Now I order. Uh, okay, dear listeners, I have to go. You have fun with your own German roommate. Let's see how long it takes until you want to strangle him in his sleep. This is Jan Willems for Planet Mundus. Jan is right. Angela Merkel became the Time Person of the Year, not because she's a good person or loved by the whole world. But she is influential. Her stance on the refugee crisis played a great role in securing the title. But it also made her not so popular among her peers in the EU and inside Germany. The Germans are worrying that her welcoming attitude is swamping the country's capabilities. And the other European member states are angry that Merkel wants to enforce a quota system to distribute the refugees better. Merkel was not the only one to demand an obligatory quota. French President François Hollande made the same call. However, Merkel became under fire because she acted upon her role, the leader of the biggest economy in the EU. This means she wants the bloc to work in a way that benefits all member states, and naturally, Germany. That might upset others, but is it surprising? I mean, every country will be doing that. The question then becomes, are there common benefits? Is this a win-win? It's a negotiation, but hopefully, to the extent that there are common interests across the EU, then they all benefit. So, yes, I would say that Germany tries to steer the EU, but then so does Britain, so does France, so does Italy, 
They all do. Uh, and that's, that's a normal process. Basically, if they can, each country will be steering the bloc to its own benefit. Or, as in the case of Britain, the country feels it has more obligations than benefits, which is why the government wants to renegotiate their position or else say goodbye. That's a scenario Cox does not see for Germany at all. Because? On one level, I suppose Germany gains what every country that's a member does. They gain a certain harmony in terms of commercial relations with other countries. You know, movement of goods and services across borders is much easier. And as a major economic power, they gain proportionally more than other countries because they have such a big economy. So the easier it is for them to do business, the better. I suppose if you subscribe to the concept of the EU as a whole, that a group of many is more powerful than a number of individual countries, they gain from the common positions, say, for instance, on a diplomatic level. Germany negotiating with the United States is one thing, but the EU negotiating with the United States is another thing, and so they gain more by being in the EU. So, on an economic level, Germany gains more by being in the EU. But Germany wants more, security-wise. Officials have made public statements in favor of forming an EU army. So we send out our correspondent Hans Liedke to investigate this matter. Europe has been involved in many missions throughout the world. Isn't it just about time to build an EU army when we have combined missions in place anyway? There is at the moment no real plan for a European army. Professor Dr. Gisela Müller-Brandig-Bouquet is lecturer for European Studies and International Relations at the University of Würzburg in Germany. Jean-Claude Juncker mentioned it one day have a European army. But in fact, if you look at what is happening, we have shrinking defense fundings in all member states. There is, at the moment, I don't see any possibility to, to overcome this division crisis management of labor, crisis management for the European Union and big defense issues for NATO. Look at um, the eastern member states of European Union. They are very, very happy to be within NATO to, give, to have the protection of the whole transatlantic alliance. So I think at the moment there is no real future for a European army. I think everybody under realistic perspectives, are happy with, with the solution we have for the moment. We only have to make sure that the Americans don't lose interest. The idea of building a European army is not a brand new one. Recently, influential leaders within the European Union spoke out for a united army again. Amongst them, names like the President of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, and the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel. The discussion was sparked by the perceived threat by Russia after the annexation of the Crimea Peninsula in 2014. The Prime Minister of the UK, David Cameron, on the other hand, strongly opposes a united army. The Brits are afraid to lose sovereignty and would like to keep defense a national task. Whereas German Defense Minister Ursula von der Leyen said that a common army would strengthen the EU spirit immensely. Hans Liedke for Planet Mundus. While a European army seems less likely, according to Dr. Gisela Müller-Brandeck-Bouquet, some officials have explicitly backed up the idea. German Finance Minister Wolfgang Schäuble recently told the newspaper Bild that the resources spent on 28 national armies could be used more effectively together. The idea now seems very vague, and there is no clear plan on how it could be taken further. 
However, Schäuble's comments do support Germany's vision for the EU as a closely tied bloc that is responsible for the protection of its outer borders. This is German Chancellor Angela Merkel on New Year's Eve. She is telling her country that it will be able to overcome the current challenges because Germany is strong. So where does this leave us? Well, we need to remember that the European Union is still a relatively new institution and nothing similar to it exists. It is still constantly evolving. Right now, Germany seems to be the puppet master of the whole bloc, but the puppets become more and more upset about that. So, would they be happy if Germany left? Adam Cox, the finance lecturer from London, doubts that the European Union as we know it would have a future without Germany. I know there's a lot of anti-EU feeling in various countries, particularly you know in Britain, certainly in some of the harder-hit European countries. I think that If Germany were to leave the EU, the EU as we know it really wouldn't exist. It would be a very different institution. It's very hard to see the EU without Germany at, at the center of it. I, I, it's hard for me to even imagine that, to be honest. So now again, choose! <laughs> 